Let's open our Bibles, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, what Chris was singing about and what talking about there, being, being an example, being a, of, of a citizen of heaven. He, we talked last time about this, this idea of us being citizens of heaven. And, and really, examples of lovers of the cross of Christ. He talked in there about those who were enemies of the cross of Christ. And really, we should be examples of those who are lovers of the cross of Jesus Christ. Not those that fight against it, not those that try to get it taken down, not those who hide it, but lovers of the cross of Christ. Paul said to Timothy, set an example for the believers in those those, uh, one, two, three, four, five areas in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Set an example of the believer. What does a believer look like? Paul said to Timothy, set an example, because people are watching. They're always watching. Always, always, always live as a citizen of heaven. Because our destiny is home, right? He talked about those that were enemies of the cross. Their destiny is something far different. It's destruction. It's it's separation from God forever and ever. And, you know, it's a terrible thing to, to even think about. But, but we who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we have a destiny that is, is a heavenly home. Our citizenship is already registered there. We're already part of that citizenship. And, and he said there, too, that we eagerly await a Savior. He's coming back for us. He's coming back for us. And we have something to look forward to. So these things he's talking about here, when we're going to look at verse 1 of chapter 4, these things are all part of it. You'll see why. Because look in verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, he says, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. What I want to talk about today is, is, is that simple idea of standing firm in the Lord. It's kind of a challenge, kind of a charge to each one of us. Stand firm in the Lord. See, he starts it off by saying, therefore, and you know, you know what the old preacher says, right? What does he say? Yeah, you, are, you guys already know all this stuff. I'm preaching to the choir here. That's it. Let's get going. Let's get the choir thing happening. What is it there for? There's a therefore, and what is it there for? And, and he, so he's referring back to what he's just spoken about there. He says, stand firm in the Lord. Why? He says, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord. How? And goes back to what he has just spoken about. Because of uh, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, he says, of having a, a true and living relationship with Jesus Christ, not religion, but relationship where you actually know him and you're getting to know him better and more. That's what he's talking about. Therefore, this, that's how you stand firm in the Lord. You have a, a walk with him. You can't stand firm in the Lord if you've got no relationship with him. It's not going to happen. The, the other thing we saw there in that section was this idea of pressing on. This idea of pressing on, and, and that's how you stand firm in the Lord. You press on, you keep going. You don't you know, focus on what's behind you. Focus on what's ahead, and you've got to keep going. And you're standing firm in the Lord as you're going ahead, and you're pressing forward. 
She was talking about that a little earlier. It'd be nice if we could just lay down and just, you know, just lay down for a while. But really, we're not called to lay down for a while. We'll get a chance to do that later when we get there. We got no time for that now, just to lay down and just, you know, lay down and give up. That's the, that's the opposite of what the message is about today, is standing firm in the Lord. Not laying down in the flesh. And because we're citizens of heaven, because we are already citizens of heaven, we stand firm in the Lord. Someone said this, because the believer's homeland is heaven, in heaven and not on earth, and because a glorious inheritance waits them, awaits them at Christ's return, let nothing sway them from their firm foundation. Let nothing sway them from their firm foundation. Stand fast or stand firm or stand strong in the Lord. Not wavering. I like somebody described it like this. He said, the idea of a good foothold is conspicuous. It's, it's not inconspicuous, it's conspicuous. I had to think about that for a minute. Conspicuous means you see it. It's something that's important. That you have a good foothold, the idea of a good foothold, you're standing firm in the Lord because you got this foothold. You got a strong foothold. I, I, I saw this thing on the, the TV about these guys who, who climb mountains, rock climbers, right? And they climb mountains and they have no gear. You know what I'm talking about? I think, I think they call it crazy climbing or something like that. No, that's what I would call it. They have no gear whatsoever, no ropes or anything, and they just climb. And they, but they find these little footholds that are just tiny, tiny little things, and and you know they, and you know a lot of them don't make it. I have to say, that's not the kind of foothold we're talking about here. We're talking about being cemented, being on the rock of Jesus Christ. How are you going to stand firm in the Lord unless you are solidly planted on the rock of Jesus Christ? You will not. Stand firm in the Lord. How many of you know what this picture is up here? <clears throat> Half dome, that's right. You know where it is? Yosemite, yeah. Any of you ever been there? Yosemite? Any of you ever been up to the top of Half Dome? I have to tell you, and, and I'm going to boast about this, I've been up at the top of Half Dome. In one of my previous lives. No, just kidding. I have been on the top of Half Dome when I was a lot, lot younger, though. And a, friend, a couple of friends and I, we went to Yosemite, and we, we, first you have to hike up to what they call the upper camp or something like that. And then we slept there and had our tent and everything. And the bear came around and was, you know, trying to get our stuff. And, and uh, so then we, the next morning we got ready and we went and we hiked up to the top of that mountain to be on top of that mountain. It was insane. It was insane. And at one point we... We went to the kind of like the part that's cut, and you kind of go up. There's no ropes or anything on that side. You kind of like go up and look down. Any of you afraid of heights? That's like crazy. Think about that, looking down. But being up on top of there, and I, I was trying to get some other pictures. On the, on the other side, the, the last part of it, they actually, have, they have, actually have like steps 
cut in the stone, and then uh, poles, and then ropes. And so you hold on to these ropes, and you, you know, go up step by step by step, and it's pretty, pretty high. And one of our guys, he just couldn't do it. He just couldn't, uh, he, he just wasn't in, sh in the kind of shape to go that last little distance, but the two of us went to the top there. But to be on the rock, that's where we need to be, planted on the rock. The idea of a good foothold is conspicuous. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're facing in your life, but what kind of a challenge... The challenge today for you is to stand firm in the Lord. This is Paul's challenge to those people he loved, who he cared for, who were uh, intimately a part of his heart and part of his life. He says, stand firm in the Lord. Look what he says there in, in that verse. He says, therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, you who, who I love, you whom I love. And long for. Even, you know, what, what makes this even more strong to me, is, makes this stronger to me, is the fact that he cared about them so much. He says, you whom I love and long for, stand firm in the Lord. You remember the, uh, the idea of joy. This is the book of joy, right? And, and Paul lived it. Paul knew it. But what, is, what does joy stand for? Right, Jesus number one, others second. And, and we see here, this is what he's talking about for him. It wasn't about himself, it was about them. This same word in the Greek language is repeated at the end where it says, dear friends, and it's a form of the word agape. He just loved these people. He just loved these people. One commentator said this, the apostle really loved people. And doubtless, this is one of the secrets of his effective and effectiveness in the work of the Lord. This is, why, this is why he had effectiveness in his serving of the Lord, because he loved them. But you know what? I want to I just mention the other side of that, too. When you really love people, it might make you more effective, but it also opens you up more, doesn't it? To, to pain and to hurt and to sorrow, as well as joy and, and laughter and life and love. When Pastor Chuck... Uh, took over the little church that was called Calvary Chapel. He didn't come up with a name. There was, there was a little church that was called Calvary Chapel. There was like 25 people there. And when he took over the church, it was his goal. He didn't know what God wanted to do, but it was his goal that those 25 people would be the best fed and the best loved people around. That was, his, that was, that was all that he cared about. They would feed them the word of God and that he would be used by God to love them. This is what we see in the life of Paul and, and, and just the way that he loved them. And, and he you know, is pleading with them. He's challenging them. He's encouraging them to stand firm in the Lord. Knowing Jesus, pressing forward, not looking back, being citizens of heaven. Stand firm in the Lord. And, and again, I don't know what it is that you might be facing, but I want to encourage you to stand firm in the Lord. Don't give up. Don't look back. Don't, don't turn back. Don't lay down, but stand firm in the Lord. Paul says, I, I love these people. He says, you whom I love and I, you whom I long for. 
Look back at chapter 1. Let's go back there for a second. It's kind of, it's, it's woven really throughout the whole book. But the key verse of Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. What an example. What an example. He's, he's, you know, he, he's an example to every one of us, how to care for people, how to love people, long for them, to want them. An example of a pastor that we can look at, that I can see very clearly. He says, I love you, back in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I long for you. He says, you're my joy and my crown. You know, Paul, you know, for Paul, it wasn't just a job. Can you see that? For Paul, it was not just a job. He, he got so personally wrapped up in his service to Jesus and his serving of these people. How, you know, but I, I, thinking about this, you know, it, it's, there's this fine line, right? When, when it can destroy you or, 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 or the other side, when you, you just look at it as a job and you just do it as a job. But Paul got so personally wrapped up in, in, in the lives of these people. How can you not get wrapped up in the lives of these people, though, I want to I wanna say today? Well, the truth is you don't, if you are protecting yourself, if you're keeping yourself kind of closed off from people. But I think, you know, and, and I'm reading this, thinking about it for myself, challenged by it myself, too, how he how he opened up his heart like completely and totally. And that's not always easy to do, is it? To totally open your heart and, and, and to give yourself to people, to care about them in such a deep way. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, he says, what is our hope or joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? He says, indeed, you are our glory Enjoy. You know, I think about that. I was thinking about that. that. That makes you very vulnerable when your whole life is wrapped up in those people that you love and care for, that you're sharing with, that you're ministering to. You see what I'm saying here? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I went to, uh, uh, Paul and I went to here, Jim Cimbala uh, from the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Tabernacle. He was here in Rhode Island and uh, he did a little thing for pastors and leaders and and you know what? He said, my only message here is to, for, for you, people who are here, is to, to encourage you to keep going. He says, and, and, and the statistic that he quoted was there are 1,500 pastors that leave the ministry every month in our country. 1,500 every month leave the ministry. Out of the 10 who start in the ministry, one out of the 10, make it to retirement age, still in the ministry. Is that scary? Why is that? You know, it, there's a lot of reasons, obviously, but, but I think part of it is, is here, and, 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 you know, the, the fact that you open yourself up and, 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 and the, the spiritual warfare and things that go on too, but, but you know what? Paul says it can be done, and he did it, didn't he? He went to the end. 
And so for you and I, we, we got to go to the end. we got to stand firm. And we do have to open our hearts to people. And it's not always easy. But if we're going to find the joy that Paul talks about, it's Jesus, others, and yourself. If we're going to say, you know what, I just got to take care of me. I, you know, number one, me, I got to do what, what me needs, what me wants. And don't correct my English, Barbara. What me, me, me. There's no joy in that, I'm telling you. doesn't mean, you know, you, you don't need to tie your shoes sometimes. You need to take care of yourself, you know. But there's no joy. It doesn't start that way, right? Stand firm in the Lord. He says, you are our hope, our joy, our crown, our glory, and our joy. I want you to turn quickly with me to 3 John chapter 1. Well, there is only one chapter. Uh, uh, just before the book of Revelation, James, Peter, John, Jude, Revelation. So <clears throat> third, third John. In verses 3 and 4. John, the apostles, writing these words. Let's start in verse 1. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. He says, I have... I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That is incredible. I'm getting emotional. I have no idea even why. But, but John says he had great joy when he heard that they were faithful to the truth, that they were walking in the truth, that they were walking, following after Jesus Christ. To hear that you are standing firm in the Lord. That's, that's something. That you're persevering. There's perseverance wrapped up in this. That you're still going strong. That you're still fighting the good fight. That you are going on with Jesus. When Paul got to the end of his life in 2 Timothy, he says, you know, I've, I've fought the good fight. I finished the race, the course, and I've kept the faith. He knew his time was very close. He would soon be martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. Stand firm in the Lord. It's a very simple message, but it's a big message. And again, I don't know where you are I don't, in your life. I, I, I wish I knew more. But I, I know that, that God wants to encourage each one of us to stand firm in the Lord. And maybe when you're facing something new down the road that, it, you know, they say, well, if you're not in the middle of one now, you will be in the middle of one soon. A crisis, a trial, a trouble. It, we're all going to face it. In this world, you'll have what? Tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus promised us that. But stand firm in the Lord, not in our own strength, not in our own determination, but in Him. I want to I, I want to look at a few other passages about this through the through the other uh, parts of the Bible. Um, 
before, again, just trying to leave that message in your head and your mind to stand firm in the Lord when you're facing something. You, and, and maybe God will, by the Holy Spirit, it will encourage you. I need to stand firm here. This is a place I need to stand firm in the Lord. It, it comes in all different kinds of ways, doesn't it? It comes in, in fighting temptation and in fighting persecution and, and just in, in, in trying to get along and being tired uh, what, so many different areas in our lives where we're going to face this kind of situation. Stand firm in the Lord. Be, have your foothold strong upon that rock. Let's turn to Psalm 20. Psalm 20, and again, we're going to do this quickly. We are running out of time very quickly today. Psalm 20. Psalm 20, verses 7 and 8. says here, <clears throat> Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. How? By trusting in the name of the Lord our God. Again, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We stand firm in the Lord, not in ourselves, but in Him. How about 1 Corinthians? Back to the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 11. says there, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. That's, the, that's what we heard about a little thing about pride, you know, where you think, well, you know, the pastor, he's talking about standing firm in the Lord, you know. I stand firm in the Lord all the time. I'm, you know, I'm one of those standers. I stand all the time. I'm standing firm in the Lord every day, day in and day out. I think I'm going to, you know, text on my cell phone right now. I don't really need to, need, need to hear this kind of stuff. I got this thing down. Well, this is exactly what he's saying right here. If you think you are, watch out. Be careful. It's, you know, it's right around there. It's waiting, Cain was told. You know, it's, uh, you know sin is, is just waiting there to pounce on you if you don't watch out. Of course, uh, he didn't listen, did he? God will show you the way. He will give you a way. And I've seen this over and over. I've not always been successful when, when you know, you're facing something. He'll, he'll will provide a way out. If you look for it, but you've got to look for it. You got, and then you've got to do what? You've got to take it. Oh, there's the way out. Well, I'm going to keep going this way. What? Oh, I wasn't standing too firm there, was I? He will give you a way out. And then you could say, well, God gave me the way out because I was clearly going another direction. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58? Ahead a few chapters, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I'm going to start talking really fast now. 
I didn't finish my coffee this morning. So I'm going to have to just pray for strength. Verse 58, therefore, my dear brothers, stand, what? Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let nothing move you. There's all kinds of stuff that would get and would try to get us to move from, from where we stand firm in the Lord to some other weakened position, wavering position, laying down, turning back, going the other direction. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Look at chapter 16 ahead there, verse 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. Be on your guard. Watch out. You may be standing firm right now, but watch out. Be on your guard. There's going to there's be some kind of attack, some kind of an enemy to pull, to push. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 21 and 22. This is obviously a, a kind of a theme for Paul with the, with the Corinthians. And when you think about it, they weren't always standing quite so firm, were they? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 or 21. Now, see what he says there? Now it is who? It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He said it is God who makes us stand firm. How? By putting his seal upon us, anointing on us and giving us his holy spirit. You know, without the holy spirit, forget it. We're not it's not going to happen. But we need to know that God has given us the holy spirit and again, to make excuses, well, you know, no, no. God's called us to stand firm in him. And He's given us the strength by His Holy Spirit to do what He's called us to do. Always, always true. How about verse 24? Same chapter. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. It's by faith that you stand firm. You know, I, I had a whole bunch of other verses, but we'll have to save them for another time. But... But God has called each one of us to stand firm in Him. Stand firm. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the spiritual battles. He says, stand against the devil's schemes. And he says, how you do that? You put on the, the full armor of God. In Colossians, uh, Paul talks about a guy named Epaphras. And he says, he's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured, praying for one another. Praying for one another. James, he says, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. We'll close there. Matthew chapter 7, stand firm in the Lord. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 24 through 27 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. He wants us to be firmly planted on the rock, a strong foundation, a good foothold. Stand firm in the Lord. Not on the sand. The sand ain't going to do it. The rock will do it. Jesus, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Stand firm in the Lord. Don't turn back. Keep pressing forward to know Jesus more and more, to to love him, to serve him. Stand firm. Feet firmly planted on the rock, not giving in, not giving up. That's what he's calling us to do, you and me. We can encourage one another in that. Maybe you know someone who's going through something. You need to encourage them. Man, you've got to stand firm. You've got to keep going. Let's pray together, shall we?